the buyers who are out there are real. It's because they've done all that homework. They've done the Google views. They've done, looked at the previous listings. They've done all the homework you just talked about, Brian. And as a listing agent, we're able to use these virtual tools that you're talking about, uh, Allison. So it's all really connected. And again, all the collaboration. Um, I was just hoping, could you get, I want to expand for those who aren't as familiar with what virtual tools are being used and what we're, you know, I know Compass has some, obviously that, that, we've, that we have the ability and then there's photographers who are changing the way they're doing things. What have you guys been utilizing and seeing out there that's been most helpful? I love, um, it's called the flipping book, um, which we have for, for listings, which is really incredible. You go through your phone, like you're actually looking at the brochure um, and that's a Compass um, you know, generated tool. It's really incredible. Um, that I send with, with all the properties now. Um, I also do the drone video, um, virtual video on all properties and you can update if, if the listing's on the market, you can post that right to MLS, um, or do different, um, social media update that you update it on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Um, there's also, through the lens the, or the, the video um, component that they just started, which is at Compass as well, which is really incredible, which it, it, it kind of produces a video um, just with professional photos that you have, which is, you know, to, you know, different music, the happy music, the chill music. Mm -hmm. um, it, you can, you know, do it in 20 seconds. So it, it's pretty, um, really effective ways. And, and it's nice to be able to provide if you know, you're sending it to another agent for them to provide their buyer a whole list of different ways to view the property, um, you know, before they, they request the, the showing. Um, I think those, I, I love those tools. I love the flipping book. I think it's a beautiful way to show a property. I love I the ones also that are really dynamic that allow the videos. Like if you're showing a picture of a dining room and you can click on it and it gives you a video of just the dining room. It's really unbelievable the tools that Compass has come up with and it has really allowed us to expand how we virtually show a house. Um, we're also doing, you know, uh, FaceTime showings as well. Um, so we'll do like the 3D Matterport, which I think is one of the best tools out there for people to really see what the house is all about and get the feel for the floor plan. Um, and just, you know, looking up, down, side to side and kind of seeing what each room has. But what I find is sometimes they want to do a FaceTime tour as well. So they can say to you, Hey, can you go into the kitchen and open up right. the cabinet and let me just see, you know, does it have drawers? What, you know, so they really want to get the lay of the land there. So we're, we're using kind of all the tools that we have um to give people virtually you know enough information and then at the end of the day once they kind of go through all these steps you know it really is those real buyers coming out and you know you don't you don't need as many buyers coming because you're kind of qualifying before they come and it you know a lot of times it does end up in an offer situation i find the matterport <clears throat> what's really interesting and funny about that um and for those who are unfamiliar with the matterport it's the 360 uh, camera so you can look, you know, step every five feet and look around. But I find it interesting that in the past I had a lot of um, clients and people I spoke with that didn't like it. They said it made them nauseous or dizzy and they just, they weren't big fans. And now people seem to love it because they feel if they're doing a FaceTime or they're looking at a video walkthrough, photos, we're showing what 
we want to show. And now they can stop and they can really look and they can just dive deeper. And I have not heard one person complain about any motion sickness or anything over the past uh, month or so. Yeah, I think that the, um, certainly for overseas, WhatsApp and WeChat, they all have a video component for touring. Uh, the people who, who uh, put our, our property in Milton under agreement. Um, it was a very thoughtful, uh, very slow, uh, guided, uh, but not overly done uh, FaceTime tour. That was, you know, I think the trick uh, you, you say, Jared, is to uh, not have people feel nauseous. And so, so often, <laughs> you know, when we're doing FaceTime, it's like all over. I'm, you know, I'm talking with a family member. And I'm like, please, or my mom. God, and I see every angle that I don't want, but <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, the tips and I think the guidance for all of us when we're conducting a FaceTime or video tour live of our, of our properties or our listings is to be slow, you know, steady, and to the extent that you can give it the, you know, greatest production quality, so to speak, by having good lighting and all the rest of this, because to Tracy's point, when I, the few times I've done, and it hasn't been a ton, I'll be real honest, but you know, I've, I've a handful of times that I've conducted these for, for buyers, they will say, okay, can you, can you just turn around? Let me just see, is that the coat closet, right? So then, you know, instead of jerking it around, it's just, it's just such a slow, it's almost as they would experience it during an open house themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's the key uh, in having a productive and uh, effective uh, virtual tour. Um, and the other thing I haven't done myself, but I, I, I've tuned into a handful of, uh, of our colleagues who have done, uh, they've promoted a, a Instagram live, uh, you know, on Saturday at 12 p.m. We're going to do a tour of this property. It's going to be on Instagram live. And it, that's a nice forum because you get to see people chiming in or they ask questions as you're conducting the tour. Um, you know, what year was the house built? So it's just the engagement you know, which flashes up on your screen as you're touring through the house, uh, the engagement with consumers is, is kind of neat that way. That's a good call. That's a good call. And, you know, it's so right about being steady because I'm just thinking like right now, we're all sitting here and we've got these set down, but if we were sitting there holding it and moving around, it's going to create a whole different feel. So I 100% agree with that, with what you're saying. And I've been, I've noticed it when I was on a group FaceTime with, uh, another agent who was doing that and he was like, Oh, you know, and just moving very fast. And we had to say, slow down and take a step back. It's yeah. a good point. Allison and I, uh, we, we participated in an Instagram expert meeting a couple of months ago and there are all sorts of tricks there and the lighting, you know, the lighting dome and the ring as if we were ever to do a vlog, which, you know, I don't know, maybe never say never, but, um, I don't know who would watch it, but the thing is, uh, you know, selfie sticks, you can't, you can't get your hands on them. It's unbelievable right now because people are, you know, all these tools to help you conduct business in this new environment. It's pretty wild. I think the social media platforms have been great. And I actually think, you know, TAN and all the other off-market networks that we're using are fantastic. And out by us, we are seeing a lot of properties sell off-market. You know, I know historically Boston, you guys tend to do a lot off-market anyway, um, but we are doing more off-market than we normally do. I'm wondering if, if that's happening, you know, in Boston as well. I think it can. I, 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 I think the value proposition of being, you know, a, pr- a private showing of an off-market opportunity 
is that the masses haven't been through it. Um, it's exclusive. It's, it's just, it's a nice clean opportunity. I love reading uh, listing language now that says, you know, fully sanitized, you know, deep clean home, you know, just ready for, for, uh, you know, for safe, for safe showings. And so, but I, I definitely think that there's going to be an appeal to off markets um, and, and doing what we, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we do, right? We match buyers and sellers mm -hmm. and we do it with one another. We rely on one another to do it. Um, but uh, I had a call last night from, from a colleague at Compass. He's, he's looking for a buyer. This is encouraging. He's got a buyer that's not uh, clearly not impacted by the, by the volatility in the markets. And he's looking for a $15 million property in the back bay and they're locked and loaded and ready to go. And, um, so that's good. You know, we start to think about it and they go, you know, you should call, you should call so-and-so. They may have something or let me reach out to these folks who said, you know, maybe they would sell. So I think that's going to be a very uh, important component of how we conduct business moving forward is the off-market channels. Absolutely. And going back to your point, Tracy, about social media, I've noticed that listings that you know, off-market photos that I'm posting on Instagram or Facebook, the amount of questions have <clears throat> doubled. Absolutely. People have taken the time now. There's more time that um, they are focusing on, you know, social media and all of the rest and really looking through what's available or what's coming available and taking the time to ask the questions and really kind of, um, you know, find out if it's a match for their client or this or that. So, there, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot more communication. Do you guys think there's more off market stuff activity and more interest that you're talking about? Do you think that's more so because, um, people want, uh, to look at something that let, that the masses haven't been through, or is it simply because there's extra low inventory? I mean, there's normally low inventory, but we're, you know, April into May is, I, it's much lower than we've been used to. We definitely low inventory, but there's always something about exclusive property that's not really out there that's, you know, can be quietly shopped here and there. I think there's, um, yeah, there's always been a demand and a draw and an interest. Um, I have something luxury $20,000 rental um, and we haven't taken photos. We haven't done anything yet. Um, I, you know, had a, a private showing and they're interested, they're gonna you know, put something forward. So that was exactly what the owner wanted, um, you know, to bring the drone videographer and the photographer through and then you know, kind of become more mainstream about it wasn't really, it wasn't what he was looking for. So it really did take really reaching out to a person that this is exactly what they were looking for, you know? So it's, it's um, yeah, it's-, you know, it's on the on the seller side of things, listen, I mean, at the end of the day, um, it's not always the easiest thing for us to sell a property or a listing. That's not really a listing, you know, it's off market. It's, um, mm -hmm. there are reasons why our sellers do it right there. Uh, and now this is potentially a new reason why a seller will prefer to stay in the off market channels. I mean, historically it's been when they, uh, covet the privacy of it, you know, maybe they're a notable, individual um recently we had a, a c-level executive and he didn't want anybody to know that he's selling the boston townhouse 
because that could compromise, you know, it creates speculation, right? So that all of a sudden that goes on MLS and it's on Zillow and Trulia and Realtor and it's all out there for everybody yep. to see. Um, then all of a sudden it fosters the speculation that could be harmful or detrimental to the firm stock prices. I mean, there are real consequences. Well, why, why are they moving? Where are they moving? Are they going to work for another company? Um, there are others who just, you know, just uh, very uh, wealthy families who, who just covet the privacy uh, component to it. And uh, on the buyer side of things, I think a lot of times the attraction is that this is not, you know, it's a special opportunity. If it hadn't been on the market, it perhaps would have sold already or to somebody else. And so the fact that their uh, buyer's agent has access to this uh, is a good thing for them. I will say for us out here, you know, we definitely do off-market transactions, but we have seen an uptick of them since, you know, everything has been going on with the pandemic. Um, and whether it's because sellers, you know, aren't ready to put it on the market, so they're, you know, utilizing, you know, all the off-market tools, or, um, you know, they don't want as many people in their house with everything going on. Um, but we are seeing an uptick of that. And I think it's a combination of there's low inventory and buyers that have to buy. So everyone is out there, you know, speaking and communicating with brokers and finding out, you know, what else is out there? What other inventory is, you know, whether it's a month or two out, or even if they're not selling for a year, there are buyers that say, okay, I'm okay with that as long as I know I have something. So yeah. we are seeing... Um, a lot happen off market. And the one thing I can say, which I think is a beautiful thing, is the, the collaboration that we're seeing um, in all industries and among you know, brokers is, is off the charts. It's been wonderful to see. I want to add to what you're saying about the off market activity, because we're, we're seeing an overall uptick in activity, quite frankly. And I, I know, Allison, you told me that you've been seeing similar in Boston recently, but you know, I think that what I'm seeing is a lot of people who said, you know what, I'm going to sit on the sidelines. I want to wait for this to pass over, see how it shakes out. And now they're realizing it isn't three weeks. It's not a month or two. And they're getting frustrated and they're getting anxious. And now they're saying, we just want to move, whether that's because we've got a new job we're taking or baby on the way or whatever it is. So is it, is it similar in Boston? Yeah, I think um, there's a few different things. You know, there's there's definitely buyers that were motivated to maybe put an offer on a property and they just completely paused. Um, and now I find that cer certain buyers like that, I'm having conversation with them again. We're talking about the floor plan. We're talking about options. Um, they're kind of moving back towards the interest of buying something, identifying a property. Um, and absolutely there's there's you know the group of um you know listings i have that the buyers are coming in and the agent contacted me a while back and finally now they're ready to take a look have a showing um you know there, there's there's just maybe from being you know house locked and wanting to just get some fresh air and just see what's out there it could you know there, there could be part of that but um, for the most part, I, I absolutely do see these buyers. They're absolutely, they're serious. You know, they're coming, they're coming in two times or three times and they're really asking all the questions and they're, you know, putting offers forward. And, um, so there, there's just, um, you know, there, it feels like there's a new wave of energy 
um, that's been very obvious, really, from what I've seen in the last week. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens this summer. Um, you know, I don't know how it is in, in the suburbs, but, you know, typically we, um, we get very quiet, right? There's just this, this whole perception. I mean, I, I don't know why everybody in Boston thinks that everybody in Boston goes to Nantucket or the Vineyard and stuff. But, you know, there's a, there's a population or a percentage that does, or they're on the Cape or up in Maine. And, and um, so historically, we've, we've had quiet um, summers. And so we're all watching this really closely and uh, waiting to see. Uh, I think there's going to be kind of a reckoning with a lot of sellers who have been holding off, hoping that things had lifted or improved considerably by now so that they could still sneak in a listing by, you know, in the tail end of the spring market. So, you know, if I'm a seller and I'm questioning whether, and we did just go through this exercise with Milton, should we put it on the market or should we wait till things just, let's just wait and see, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now all of a sudden you're waiting and seeing and it's June. Well, that's not really a good time historically to go on the market, right? Yep. So are we now waiting till the fall? And I think if that's the case to go on the market, we may then take greater advantage of uh, collaboration with, with colleagues through these off-market channels. So I think you'll see some of that. Um, and I think the other interesting thing to see is how much this pandemic uh, affects uh, mortgage uh, activity and lending activity. I think there's going to be a tightening up. So I think that that will uh, be, that'll, that'll be interesting. Our team had a client that recently, you know, we spoke to them in March and they said, okay, let's, you know, let's wait and see, you know, what Governor Baker has to say. And then you know, we said, okay, now let's, you know, talk mid-April and see. And then it got to the point that they're like, you know what, there's no definitive answer of when things are going to completely change. And they were moving, they were moving out of state. So we ended up putting it on and we went through kind of all the, you know, steps, you know, before people could come see the property. And, you know, our team, our team members ended up getting multiple offers and, and it sold that first weekend. So wow, that's great. Um, it's interesting to see, you know, we're having the conversations, but, you know, because we don't know the end date of when everyone's going to kind of come out of their houses and things exactly. are going to go back, you know, a little bit back to normal. Um, you know, I think sellers are starting to realize, okay, you know, we need to make a decision. Are we really selling right. or are we going to, you know, either wait till the fall or wait till the following spring? Right. Wait indefinitely. Right. So we just don't know, but I think that that's finally what we're seeing too. People to Ali, Ali said that this week has just been very active, right? Like all of a sudden, bam. And I think it's the group that not giving up on social distancing or any of that, but we, we have to plan our lives, right? And you know, we, we all have time to talk to, if we have a significant other, or we have a mother, father, or whatever, we have time to talk and dream and strategize. And I think there's just a lot of that happening. And now we're gonna see people, buyers or sellers acting on that. I think overall, um, everyone's optimistic that the, the summer market will be our spring market. It'll just be right summer right sellers are optimistic for that right waiting to summer waiting to to list um until they get the okay you know they're they're tons of active buyers again buyers are excited about that if they're not finding what they want right now um and there's limited inventory as we all know they're waiting for the summer to like identify their dream home definitely positive and hopeful you know we're all very hopeful of good news and you know that we can have some kind of time frame in mind and, and you know, a, a strong path and, you know, kind of business plan, you know, once we do have a sense of a schedule or, you know, timing, so.
I want to, so in along those lines, and we'll kind of, we'll start to wrap this up, but when we do move on from this, um, you know, you're talking about how, how excited everyone is. What do you guys think? What type of changes from the, just the past month or so do you think are going to alter and affect how business is done moving forward? What's, what's, you know, a thing that's just during the pandemic and what's here to stay? I think um, the cleanliness, you know, idea of like the booties. I mean, a lot of homes, we did that anyways. I, I think there's going to be definitely more mindful um, showings by agents requiring and, you know, buyer selling agents requiring that, um, that, that there is, you know, there, there are masks or gloves or booties worn during showings and that properties are properly cleaned and all of the rest. Um, just to kind of, you know, just to be mindful. Um, yeah, I think that part of it's here forever, right? So that's going to be the new reality. Is just it's 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 a uh, it's a behavior, um, and it's it's a courtesy that's now going to be expected um, of everyone. Open houses that we used to have, where you could have anywhere from you know five people to fifty people or more coming through at once, like how is that gonna change? And we talked about, you know, what we've been seeing now is some people have either been using showing time or when you call to set, set up an appointment or a showing, they, they block out a time. They'll say, okay, I'm gonna be there from 12 to two or 12 to three and I'm doing 15 minute showings and only one, you know, buyer is allowed in there at a time. Um, so that's what we've been seeing. And it's, it, it will be interesting to see if we go back to the, you know, the way we used to do open houses, or if it is going to be more, you know, less people at a time in, or, you know, just showings in that block of time. I think showing time is so much more productive. We all know as a listing broker, how it feels. It's great when you get tons of activity on, you know, your first open house, but how mm -hmm. many buyers are not getting the update you want to provide them, you know, and, and fully give them the, the perspective on the condo or the home. So you're able to really provide the buyer, the buyer's broker, all the details and have, you know, what, it feels more one-on-one -on -one specific, um, you know, sh showing experience instead of just chaos where you're, you know, you're just trying to keep track of who's there and all the rest. I think there's, I think it, it's a much, um, it's a much more proactive, productive way to do it. That's always been um, uh, valuable and attractive to my buyers when I'm able to source them an opportunity off market is uh, it just feels more civilized, right? They're going in and they're not going to an open house with 50 people, you know, and sign in and do this and do that. And, you know, that awkward encounter in the stairwell. It's like, no, no, you first or you first, you know, it's just, um, so when you're able to really listen to a buyer and say, you know, understand what it is that they're looking for, like you said, Jared, like this, your buyer really now values a home office and kind of get, get back in the trenches, you know, and get necessarily just quickly offline, but then go find them, go match that property for them off market channels. You know, you call Alice and she says, actually, I do. I think my, my seller will sell. And it's that matchmaking. I think that there's just, uh, it becomes very attractive for buyers beyond safety and cleanliness and all the rest of this, just to have uh, something that's a bit more curated, I guess is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. um, and a little bit more, you know, bespoke 
uh, and to them rather than just fit for the masses, which uh, is how we used to operate business a lot of a lot of the time. Well, so you just uh, hit what I was thinking when you said fit for the masses. So my dad was in real estate uh, since he was at college. He started an office in Alston in 1971. And so he saw the whole transition with the internet and getting involved in everything. And he started giving me a hard time a few years ago. He's like, why are you showing so many pictures of these houses? People don't need to see, you know, every single room. You're, you're showing too much. You know, we used to give one picture of the front, maybe one of the kitchen and, and enough to, to get all the people in there. And the goal was, and I understand what he was saying because a big goal was we want to get as many feet in the door because we want to create that buzz. Whereas right now I want to get as many eyes online and I want to really get the conversation and the questions going because I don't want feet in the door. I want the, I want the right feet to come through and the right people. So I think that's one thing that's going to stay is that, is people doing their homework, you know, a little more homework. Whereas, you know, as a buyer agent, you should be doing that homework, but there's so many buyers, as we all know, that they feel they have to see everything. They're not valuing their own time, let alone our time. And I think that people are starting, are, will hopefully do that much more. And as you said, Brian, get back to, you know, getting in the, in the thick of things, we should be, we're doing our job to really, um, figure out what is the right fit and the best fit. And I think a lot of buyers will rely on their agent for that. And a lot of it is for the better. I think, you know, you get so used to what works and you, you continue that process. And now we've got to take a step back and um, change the system and the way that we all operate. And from that you analyze it and you realize like there's some good parts to that, that will are better being, you know, the way they currently are, um, operating and, the, and, and will kind of stick with those kind of, you know, that, that, that way of life. Change is good, right? So, you know, as Change long as we good. can, yeah. yeah, you know, we'll implement the stuff that, you know, makes sense and is helpful to our buyers and seller clients. And, you know, I think that, you know, you know, for us, I can speak, there are a lot of buyers that, you know, come out our way for the school year. And, you know, I think we're, we, are still seeing those people that need to get in for the school year. So, you know, our hope is that we do have a very busy summer and I hope for you guys that you have a very busy summer um, and let's sell some real estate. Love it. Yes. Well, thank you guys. Honestly, this was a little longer than I think we told you it was going to be. But honestly, <laughs> you guys brought great information and, and I'm amazed that throughout all this time that the clouds haven't changed. The sunset behind Brian. Really, it's Co unbelievable. It's just beautiful. It's just amazing. It's just, just an epic sunset. Um, and it starts really early at breakfast and lasts all night. Um, but you see some birds. Do you guys see that boat? Oh, that's a beautiful boat. I'll be on soccer martinis, like right over. At, we'll come to you, Brian, in a few weeks. Yeah, it is great. Come visit. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, thank you guys so much. This was awesome. And uh, as Tracy Thanks said, let's, get, let's keep selling. And I hope that it's a really productive summer and end of spring in Boston and the burbs for everyone. Yeah. All right, guys. Best stay wishes. Guys. You Bye. too. Welcome to Live in the Know. We have an exciting episode for you today. We have Brian Daugherty and Allison Mazur here from our Boston office. And we thought it would just be really interesting to share with you, you know, the differences and the similarities of what's going on in the Boston market and what's happening in the Metro West Greater Boston area. 
I think a good place to start for everyone is I want to talk about what we're seeing with buyers and sellers, but specifically the seller mentality of what people are feeling and what they're, how they're acting and how we're communicating with them right now. So starting with sellers, um, basically what we're seeing right now is we are, we still have very, very low inventory. So for sellers that need to sell, they, um, after kind of going through how we're going to handle it and how we're going to make, you know, the showings responsible, and we'll explain more about that later. Um, you know, the sellers are, are ready for the most part to put it on. There are some sellers that are delaying that don't have to sell, but the sellers that are either moving out of state or already bought something are putting it on the market. And we're seeing great results with that. Um, you know, right now that some of the listings did come off and now, um, we have a lot of tools to be able to showcase and, you know, broadcast the, the property, um, with virtual tours and all of the rest. So, um, you know, we're in a good place to really kind of get the properties out there, show the images and then reserve showings for really interesting buyers that have already seen, a, you know, a good part of the property, um, with, with, you know, the, the tools that we have. Um, we have a really great program too, the, the, the video generator at Compass, which puts together the photos and you have, um, you know, a video that you can really get a good sense of what the property looks like. What's more, what's, what's the mentality been though of the Boston agent, of the Boston sellers? Are they, are people more anxious? Are you finding that they're, they're in the way, they're more of a little bit of a waiting zone, a waiting period? How are they feeling? I found that a lot of um, listings that I have, if they are owner occupied, if the family is living in the property, we did withdraw it from the market. Um, and quietly we have Compass coming soon and Top Agent Network and the private list and different ways of broadcasting it, not fully being on MLS. Um, so that's, you know, constant conversation. I think the sellers right now are looking for constant updates what you know what the buyer's mentality is if buyers are back out there if they're looking if they're active um and i've definitely seen an uptick of buyers and agents being back out in the market looking um being prepared you know there's there's less fear because everybody now has a mask and gloves and knows the protocol of how to safely look at properties and not have that panic fear that they can't leave their house. Yeah, it's a, I think that's an interesting point, Allie. Um, there, there are um, a number of sellers who have been saying, well, I'm not going to put my, my property on the market at the moment, right? You know, because we want to avoid that toxic metric of days on market, right? And so, matter of fact, our local MLS is looking at a way to maybe give some relief to that, as a matter of fact. Um, so that there's another category where you could list it almost like a coming soon. So I've seen an awful lot of volume. I'm sure you all can agree there's, there's activity, you know, and there's sellers who want to sell, right? I mean, life has to move forward. People are being relocated. People want to move out of the city, maybe out towards Wellesley where greener pastures and healthier air um, and vice versa. But there, there are opportunities all across the board uh, and sellers do have to sell. And so one of the things I've been counseling sellers who are reluctant to go full-blown on the market is, is to take advantage of some of these off-market platforms and networks that we all have access to. So 
I mean, it's unbelievable, this top agent network, the amount of volume that we're seeing. Um, and I think that that's a result of some who are just saying, hey, maybe we just wait a little bit longer before we go full blown on the market and syndicate out to all the sites and all the rest of this, but we still wanna sell. We uh, personally contemplated doing that, uh, my partner and I, but you know, after a bottle of wine one night, we, we've been working on this home in Milton for 15 months and we said, well, it's, it's, let's just do it. Let's see what's going on out there. And this is about four weeks ago. Uh, so it was still in an area where there was so much uncertainty, right? And there continues to be uncertainty, but I think people are achieving some level of comfort in our new norm, right? Mm -hmm. But we put it on the market and we uh, ultimately accepted an offer. Uh, this house is just under 3 million uh, sight unseen from a couple in full-blown lockdown in uh, San Francisco and they're relocating. Oh, wow. And so what are you going to do? You're, you're home with three kids. You know, you're, if you're not in the trade, you're thinking about, hey, what should we be doing? So I think there are a lot of online buyers right now. So we're, we're really grateful and, uh, and pleased. Um, but that was a result of um, people just having the confidence. It was a 90-minute FaceTime tour. So that's interesting because we are, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about buyers also, and I'm definitely seeing um, an interesting transition of who the buyers are out there. And I think you're kind of hitting it on the head. These buyers who are out there, I don't know about you guys, I don't feel like they're real. They're all real buyers. There's no nosy neighbors. There's no look to lose. It's, it's all the people that are very real. And yet there are qualified. people who are nervous. Yeah. They're, well, they're, they're qualified. They're highly motivated and they're only looking at properties if they, either, well, maybe, they, maybe they're looking for a big deal, which I don't know if we're there yet, but they're, they really want to buy, they really want to move. Um, so at least in the end user game. I, have you seen a lot, of, uh, a lot of people buying sight unseen? I know Brian, you just said someone bought a $3 million uh, house without seeing it. Have you guys, I had our someone buy something. Dollar house. Thank you. And it hasn't closed, but we have enough money to take a nice vacation if it doesn't. But uh, so um, I don't know that there's a huge uptick in that. I've spoken with a couple different media outlets about the phenomenon. I think that certainly people are focusing their search efforts based on virtual tours and the first kind of preloaded step in the process, right? So I think that that's going to help people. A, there's not a ton of inventory, but it's going to help people focus a little bit more. Um, the international buyer, uh, I just got a phone yesterday with a guy from Amsterdam who was all poised to fly in and purchase something for his daughter. You know, this is a, a common thing we have in greater Boston, but his daughter, who's a student, so he's looking up to a million and a half. And uh, because of all of this, he, you know, the, he didn't fly in, obviously. But he's still in the very much in the market, and so he wants to be kept apprised um, uh, of activity. And and now, of course, he, he thinks that there's going to be a huge, um, you know, discount, and maybe we could all talk to that, you know, because I think that some buyers in the marketplace are saying, well, now what's going to be the coronavirus discount? You know, how how much am I going to get off the property? And I just I, I see that probably in places like New York City, you know, where things certainly could be 20% off the mark, but I don't anticipate that as much here in, in greater Boston. What do you guys think? We're not really yeah. seeing much of a discount out here yet. Right. Yeah, and, and quite honestly, what we're seeing, you know, with the pricing market, 
is that, you know, just to take kind of a step back and see if this is what happened with you guys as well in Boston. But, you know, starting in the fall, we did start to see a little bit of a slowdown. And it wasn't our best fall that we'd seen. And then right after New Year's, like literally January 1, January 2, the market just exploded. And it was just really strong. And there was just an increased demand and a large buyer pool out there. And they were buying. They were not waiting for March. They were buying. So January and February were very, very active for us. And then come, you know, early March when, when COVID took place, you know, and things started to slow down for a little bit, um, we didn't know what was going to be with pricing um, and, and what things were going to be selling at. But I think what it's come down to with pricing is that because the market started out so strong and because we've seen such low inventory, we really have not seen a big change in how things are being priced and what they're selling for at this point. Can I, uh, Allison and Brian, I want to ask you guys a question about pricing. How are you guys having those conversations about list prices for new listings that are coming on when you're talking with your sellers and also, I guess, with, with buyers? Are you, what's your response when they expect that discount you alluded to? This could be an opportunity for us as brokers to communicate um, and work with sellers who have historically maybe had some aspirational pricing in the upper end of the market. Um, you know, we're consulting with a, a, a local family who really now more than ever, they really do want to move. Um, and so I think this is creating an opportunity uh, for us to talk about more realistic pricing, certainly, because I think buyers are going to really be sensitive to that. Uh, it's our job to, to counsel some buyers and obviously get the best deal for them. But with my guy from Amsterdam um, at a million five. This is a very active market. There are no discounts to be had. Right. So I really had to help quantify that for him. In the back bay in January, uh, up to a million five, I kind of break things up into price bands. I'm sure you guys mm -hmm. do too, because I think that, you know, uh, the million five buyer is not the same as the five million dollar buyer sure. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, but we definitely see some trends. Very active market in the back bay. Three deals went under agreement in January, up to a million five. In February, there were six deals that went under agreement. In March, there were 10. And month to date in April, in the back bay, up to a million five, there are 16 deals under agreement. So if anything, it's like, it's, it, it's a very active buyer pool. These people are all preloaded. Um, you know, they're locked and loaded. And I think that they're really anxious to, to get a deal done. Um, and then I think that you take a little pause for 2.5 to 3.5 million. There's been very little activity. I mean, uh, zero in January, three in February, um, uh, March zero, and there's one in April. So it's just, you, you see, you just start to see where the most activity is. Yeah. I'm finding the same thing that listings, the, they're, there are absolute differences with price points. Um, you know, three plus, a lot of those listings we're waiting to put, we've taken off the market or listings that I have coming on in that price point, we're, we're gonna give it some time to put them back on. Um, will, will you do the off-market channels and just still make you know, everybody aware of it, right? Yeah. Absolutely, we'll still broadcast, put it out there with the photos and the video and all of the rest. If it's officially list on MLS, we plan, you know, if we can't get a buyer that way, we'll wait to list on MLS. What about the buy? When you break it down by these different um, 
price bracket, so to speak, are you, are you fine? So you obviously tell your million and a half dollar buyer, look, there's no discounts. Don't think that way. What about the upper end, the three, the $5 million buyers? Are they, they're expecting that discount, I think. And are you seeing that come to fruition or it's just, there's so little activity in that price point that we don't, there's no real data. There's always been less buyers in that market, you know? Mm -hmm. So that is, I mean, you know, you look at the 2 million and under, in the spring market, some of those properties were getting 10 plus offers. So there's still great activity. You know, are they now, are there two or three offers potentially, but that can still bring, you know, the correct terms and a great final, you know, agreed to price and all the rest. So um, I think that, you know, it's, the higher price point listings, they tend to have more days on the market. It's a, it's, it's a smaller group of people that really have to be focused on, you know, to, to look at the property. So. Yeah. I, th I think that that's, um, we're going to see, I think some days, that's a good question, Jared. Obviously certain price bands are, are, I wouldn't say immune to this, but they've always kind of been um, stronger than others. And so I think in the upper end of the market, I think we're going to see movement. I think we're, there are going to be markets. One of the other buyers who came to look at the $3 million property in Milton was somebody who owns an $8 million property in Brookline. And he, he works in private equity and he's had excuse me, significant um, uh, pain during these markets. You know, he's had to close some of his businesses and all the rest of this. And so why is somebody at $8 million coming to look at $3 million, uh, one town over? Well, I think that they're going to, try and deleverage a little bit. Um, so I think that there are going to be people who maybe want to kind of shrink some of their exposure in the market. And so we're still trying to follow trends. Uh, we're very active and very analytical. It's great that Compass has so much uh, research available to us because I'm constantly digging in. So, I mean, the numbers don't lie. So, um, so we're, we're starting to see patterns. It's still going to be interesting. I do think buyers in the upper end of the bracket um, four or five million plus are going to have greater opportunities uh, to, you know, in, to achieve a discount off the asking price. Absolutely. And those are the price points too, where, you know, a few weeks ago you saw, you heard a lot of stories about buyers leaving their deposit on the table, walking away from um, going through with a transaction, you know, many in the three plus million kind of range, um, just to try to understand what's going on, where the market's going and all of the rest. Yeah, I mean, so, Allison, you, you were the first of many who, who, who shared um, of a buyer who walked from a $250,000 deposit, um, you know, in the early stages of the pandemic. And uh, that's when the stock market took such a hit, you know, and my understanding is in order for that individual to have performed uh, the purchase, they were going to have to liquidate stocks that, you know, at that particular time and mm -hmm. taken such a loss. So to walk from 250 was, uh, was less of a hit than actually, uh, you know, finding the money from, from some depressed stock value. Interesting. Yeah. So we're not fully seeing that out by us, you know, and I'm not saying that, you know, won't happen at some point, but, but right now, um, yes, the under $2 million market is very, very strong for us. And once you get over two, there are less buyers and, and it does take longer to sell. But we still are seeing a lot of activity in some of our higher price points. 
Um, and I wonder if you guys could talk about, you know, we're seeing a lot of Boston buyers coming our way. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it seems like it has something to do with COVID and people needing some space and some outdoors. But can you guys talk to that a little bit? It's, I, I think it's, uh, it bodes well for uh, suburban uh, sellers, frankly, I think that there is going to be, uh, we're seeing it in every different marketplace. I mean, we've got colleagues that I talk to regularly, you know, in New York and um, summer rentals have never been higher in the Hamptons, yeah. right? Uh, people are just saying, let's get out. Uh, who knows when this is a return to normal. Same thing locally, more locally for us on the Cape. I have a colleague that I talked to out in the Berkshires and he said, there's just been a tremendous interest, not necessarily in buyers so quickly. I su suspect there will be, but uh, just in rentals. So let's, let's, let's get the family out of uh, this confined germy uh, uh, place and let's get them out for <laughs> some fresh air. And so it's a real thing. And I think that uh, just me talking to some buyers myself um, who are definitely asking for valuations of their condos in Boston. So, you know, if so Allison's got a couple that uh, has two kids in a $3 million place in Boston and it's a three bedroom. Um, and, and they head out to your territory, I think that they could do pretty well for three million, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think it, also the idea of potential office space or, you know, the way things are operating now with Zoom and, and all, you know, the technology of the way to communicate, um, I think there, there, there are obviously going to be a lot of changes of the idea, you know, Monday through Friday going to the office. So um, with that, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of buyers or owners that are set on living in Beacon Hill because they can walk to the financial district or whatever will now expand and look in Cohasset and Wellesley and have more flexibility and you know plant a vegetable garden where they can be. You know, <laughs> yeah. so it, it's there's um, you sunflowers, know, right? Exactly. I love it. Um, yeah, there's different ways. It's interesting to really see the mentality and the brain, you know, the way that people are analyzing and thinking this through with their family and, and rethinking, you know, how, how they live. So think long term, um, you know, I can say from personal experience, my husband has never worked from home and now he's working from home and he has his multiple screens and you know, I think there are jobs that were never able really to work from home that are now functioning and working from home. And it's going to be interesting to see if when this is all said and done, if more kind of flex office, you know, um, or, you know, part-time at the office, part-time at home for some of the jobs that never had that option come into play. Exactly. I have a buyer, I have a buyer client who I'm working with right now. And we started the discussion before the pandemic began and I always specifically asked how important is a home office and it wasn't he said he said something to the effect of well I got a laptop I'll sit at the couch or at the kitchen island and now it's shifted they need a home yeah. office because their their expectation is that they're going to work from home at least a couple of days a week no matter what happens because they can now space yeah. has become the new luxury right you know Absolutely. there's privacy there's space there's safety security but just Social distancing, uh, I think, has given uh, placed a great emphasis on um, how luxurious it is to have space and some fresh air. And so, um, listen, there's still markets. I mean, for, for the city, there always will be. The convenience is going to be fantastic. We're just not building enough product. We, uh, you know, all of the new developments in Boston are doing exceptionally well. The Seaport 
um, echelon luxury condos down there on the waterfront. Uh, you know, the first towers is, 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 I think, I think almost entirely sold out. They're on resales now, you know, once things are lifted a little bit to be able to, to be convenient, that's still going to be a, a huge trend. Um, and a lot of these new developments are creating, uh, common rooms, um, uh, different amenity spaces, libraries, club rooms, home gyms, that type of thing for a, a boutique group of residents. So it's, it's, it's still going to be interesting. Uh, I'm curious what the developers of 2022 and 2023 are going to start planning for from an amenity standpoint, you know? like cleansing chambers or I don't know, or air purification. I mean, these are all things that are really going to take on so a whole new... Here's a random question in regards to what you're talking about with these buildings that have such great amenities, yeah. you know, with everyone trying to, you know, distance them to have social distance and all that and, and stay safe and responsible. Like what is happening with the, you know, gyms and the common areas in some of these luxury buildings? Are people able to go down and use them? Or are they completely closed off? It depends. I know one Dalton and 22 Liberty, um, they do allow the gyms to be used. They're really on top of cleaning wow. all the, the machines. Um, they have a whole system enacted. So they, they have been able to, you know, keep the residents uh, using the, the common space. Um, I know it, it really, one Charles, the gym is completely closed down um, and there is no you know, use of any of the common, uh, the club, club rooms and all the rest of that, yeah. Exactly. So it really, it's every, there's a, there's kind of a different policy for, for various buildings, luxury buildings. You know, I had a closing, uh, these are things you don't really take into consideration in the suburbs, but uh, in Metro West and the single family homes, but I had a closing um, two weeks ago on Beacon Hill and uh, buyers, uh, first time home buyers, it was a million six million seven but uh they were very excited and so that we arranged to have their painters come in and the condo association of 14 units just went ballistic right and uh they said you know they don't want trace people they didn't want the electrician in there they didn't want the painters in there even though they were masked and gloved and all the rest of this but from a common space standpoint mm -hmm. they were very protective of that which i can appreciate but it was not it was not the circumstances that my uh, my buyers, they really, it wasn't a great first impression. And so uh, the, the fix for it on a fifth floor walk up on Beacon Hill with commanding views of the Charles River, these poor painters have to climb up the fire escape to wow. get this wow. done. I mean, so this wow. is like the new norm. How did the HOA feel about you guys coming in for the final walkthrough? I presume this was under agreement before everything got shut down yeah. but maybe no, just maybe about not. just about okay just about yeah but i mean i put somebody under agreement last week on something and uh it was um listen i think empty units uh are obviously allison started speaking about this earlier i mean the, the properties that are occupied by families and small kids and, and beacon hill and back bay and south end there's like far greater sensitivity to those in terms of the sales process and listing and selling those. Uh, but properties that either come from developers or they are, um, have been investment units that are vacated and empty, there's, there's, there's less sensitivity to that. It's much easier to show those properties. Um, so I think that that contributes to what properties are going to move faster than others. But um, every HOA is meeting on this and deciding you know, certain policies 
uh, for things that just weren't even on the radar screen uh, several months ago, you know, food deliveries, uh, cleaning people from the outside world, you know, what are you doing with folks? Because listen, you share a hallway, you share a front door, you share a staircase, uh, you share a garage or cycling room. These are all things in the new world that uh, everybody has to figure out. And I think it's a case by case basis. So what about with closings, when someone needs to move into a building, how is that being handled? Again, I think uh, every building, so you talk about a Millennium Tower with 440-ish units, and, and certainly things are happening there. They have to put practices in place, uh, you know, mandate, um, um, you know, certain policies about masks and gloves, you know, all the staff, the concierge, the doormen, um, a lot of them are running uh, with certain protocol in place um, and loading dock times and having an exclusive elevator that's just for, you know, freight and move-ins and move-outs. So, uh, and then the smaller associations are just dealing with it, you know. There was no issue with my clients moving, uh, provided that the movers had all of this stuff. But it's just, it's rattled people, understandably so. Conversely, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with rentals. Um, and like, because we, you know, with downtown, we deal with a lot of our luxury rental clients who are spending $10,000, $5,000, $10,000, dollars a month. They are our buyers, right, who are looking for um for a place, but they're, they're renting in the interim. And so I was down at one canal yesterday, I had to drop some paperwork off for a client and it was, they're renting, but in the process of buying and they came out just fully glo gloved and clothed and, you know, leave it here, you know, and step back. I mean, it was really pretty wild. So um, I think we're still navigating this, we're starting of these, uh, you know, these buildings, I will say that there's a tremendous understanding from buyers and sellers right now. Um, I had a buyer who wanted to take advantage of one of their courtesy visits before they close next week, you know, to go in and measure. It's in the purchase and sale that they should be allowed to have three visits, right? And this was under agreement before the pandemic. And Initially, it was okay, no problem. But then the sellers said, "Listen, we have my my wife is uh, is is uh, immunocompromised, and how can we help do this virtually, right?" And so then all of a sudden, you had a buyer and a seller uh, deciding to facilitate a FaceTime. So it's just it's wild. It's things that we never would have thought about. We don't usually like to put our buyers and sellers together right before the closing, um, but they um, they did this in the absence of their brokers, and we often just like to be there as a facilitator and a handholder. But they did room by room, and can you measure that carpet? Because I'm looking to buy a rug, and so there was a mutual understanding and a mutual respect. And, 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 and this and deal I, will happen. And I, I completely agree with that. I see that amongst agents too. You know, yes. listing brokers will go out and, and ask, are, are your buyers okay with me showing? I can open the door for you if you just want to bring them through. And if they don't want an extra person there, there's, there's a lot of communication. And um, again, sensitivity, understanding, kind of, you know, the conversation happens with, with the agents too, just, just so everybody is completely comfortable. But Jared, like back to, to your point, I was just gonna say, I think that there's a level of qualification that's happening in the run-up. You know, yeah. in the past, uh, 
you know, Allison calls me, but to, to, to show one of my listings, um, it just says, sure, you know, we'll see you there tomorrow at right. 12. But now uh, the seller wants to know more about the buyer. I want to know more about the buyer. So there's a lot more kind of early initial communication that's happening. Um, and it, it helps almost like a meeting of the minds. Much collaboration on every side, buyers, sellers, listing agent, buyers, from the attorneys, the inspectors, the lenders, everyone. But one of the things that we were hoping to chat about was even, Brian, along the lines of what you're talking about, it's just the approach to showings where we're, we're almost pre-vetting every person. So I don't know how you're doing it in Boston, but a lot of the times here in the Burbs, we want to have people drive by the house, look at it from the outside. If there is a Make sure they've looked at the floor plan. If there is a Matterport or a virtual tour, make sure they've done that. Um, but again, normally, to your point, if someone calls up and says, I'd like to show your listing, okay, sure, what time? Now we're finding out who they are. Are they qualified? I mean, I've had some, some listings uh, or some showings where I've called and they're requiring a pre-approval beforehand. Mm -hmm. How are you guys, what are you doing to pre-vet people there? Well, I think it, it, to what you said, the process has changed. You know, um, you, typically you get a showing request, you get insight from about, you know, from the agent about the buyer um, and you show the property, you know, typically after that or during the showing is when they review the floor plans or the listing sheet, go over all the information. Now it's, you know, a lot of properties did not have virtual tours or drone video or a true perspective of entry into the unit onward um, locate you know the neighborhood and, and you get you get a really full sense of what this property is before the showing occurs now so um, you know the level of understanding of the agent and the buyer of, of what the property is is Incredible. Far greater. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I took, I took a city client out to a property in Lexington, uh, but only after, to your point, um, all of the homework was done. And so uh, they, they're very interested. We may still pursue something here, but they, it's almost like they pre-bought, right? I mean, mm -hmm. but by the time they got there, we analyzed the plot plan. We drew Google Street View. There was not a matter of port, but we really studied the floor plan. You know, we explored the neighborhood, satellite bird's eye views, all the rest of this, um, looked at previous listings of the home. So it was a lot of that in advance. And so if I'm a listing agent or if I was the listing agent who says, please do all of this checklist before you really ask us to clear out the house and open it up. And so, by the way, when we did get out there, there was there were booties, there were fresh individually packaged gloves that I wanted to take because i haven't seen that but like they were great um and then um hand sanitizer kind of at every turn and the agent had gone in early in the morning to turn on the lights for that day's showings it was not an occupied home but that was interesting 